This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting on demand and live from Buffalo, New York, where today is Sunday, July 25th, 2021. And today in the program, we have uh, another week of live events, live touring, TV ratings, and we have quarter hours this week. Quarter hours for not just Dynamite, not just NXT, but Raw as well. Uh, we had the first house show for WWE since March 2020. We have some information about YouTube views. We have some information about a New Year's Day pay-per-view for WWE in Atlanta. And next week, next Thursday, is the Q2 earnings call for World Wrestling Entertainment, Inc. We will preview that today on the program and more. But first... Joining me uh, live from my South by Southwest, everyone's favorite ring announcer, just ring announced not just a wrestling event. Uh, he usually ring announces wrestling events, but last night uh, he went shoot. He shot on everybody at an MMA event uh, here in the Western New York area. Chris Gullo joins us. Welcome. Hey, always good to be here. Yeah, did uh, MMA, but they also had a uh, uh, BJJ bouts and kickboxing bouts in the Excellent. cage as well. So, so it was at the Keenan Center. Or were the conditions like yes. at the Keenan Center? The Keenan Center, for, for those who don't know, uh, a, uh, a WrestleMania-like venue for those of us in the Western New York independent wrestling scene. Uh, many of the biggest attendances ever drawn in independent wrestling in Western New York have been drawn at, uh, at the Keenan Center. Would that be, would that be, has there ever been a bigger draw at Riverworks at this point for an independent show? Well, I guess, um, whatchamacallit, the, ro- the Legends that thing. That Legends thing. The Legends thing. Right. The one where I was going to wrestle uh, that for was a I don't know in Akron. No, 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 no. <laughs> there were, they did another one. Uh, it had like Eric Bischoff and the Nasty Boys and stuff like that. It was a different one than the one we worked. But I, I, I knew it was a good draw. But I don't know if it was one of the largest. Uh, but the the uh, every time I die shows. If you would now part of that draw is music and, yeah. and the band. But if you would count that as a wrestling show, those drew probably more than a Keenan Center ever draw. I would say a thousand is is the Keenan Center ish. Yeah, it, it, honestly, some of the largest uh, MMA and kickboxing draws. Western what was the, was the draw for this MMA show as well? Um, I I want to say fifteen hundred blows away wrestling. Uh, what were the ticket prices? Yes, like? yeah. Oh, I think general admission 40 was like bucks. 40 bucks or something. And then like, and to get it, a table is like $750 for a table. Where you there were tables? Was this like a, uh, yes, they set up tables around ringside, ringside tables. And then they have like, then they have like three rows of ringside seats after the crowd the hot. Yeah. Well, they're. There's a local guy that was in the main event. He's actually a really, really good fighter, though. He fought in uh, fights in glory mm-hmm. kickboxing, but he is like Lockport's what, beloved his name? son, Joe like Joe Taylor. Joe Taylor, when he comes out, it's really it's insane. Like people wearing the Team Taylor shirts all over the Keenan Center. Yeah, Lo- loudest 
ovation I have ever heard for anybody. In everything so uh, we we have an, uh, a visual element today. We are we are doing a little test stream on YouTube. Um, and if I if I pull out the calculator, which I now can do here, let's see. I did a stream yesterday, as people might know, with uh, one Mookie Chris Harrington, and there were we had some audio issues. I think we're doing better today, though, because I have uh, I have been uh, beating myself up over these these audio issues, and now I think we uh, I might have things under control. So if I minimize this and this, here's a calculator. Can you see this, Colo? Can you see my calculator? Yeah, this I is see, exciting. This is revolutionary. Uh, in the world of, of WrestleNomics. So you said 1,500, right? Times 40. Yeah. This is some old calculation. I was doing. 1,500 times 40 at a minimum, right? Minimum to get in. So at a minimum, at minimum yeah. this, this event drew $60,000 in, in ticket revenue. Um, was it being uh, live-streamed anywhere, pay-per-viewed anywhere? Yes. Yeah, the WK, the World Kickboxing Association, was streaming it at thirteen dollars through, through fight or what? Um, I'm not sure. How, obviously, how the you? count. No, through the, through WK's own stream. So, uh, like, apparently, because like it was because the main event like was a, is a Glory fight, and Glory right now is not running in the states. So, like, those fans from like Europe and all that, they want to see, okay. you know, uh, you know, a Glory fight because they're. They're running ever elsewhere, rather whatever. But yeah, I guess that. I mean, I don't know much about the stream. I know WK was running it. I sat next to the guy that was like setting up the stream and everything, and I could see the pay per view stream where I was sitting. So, but there was no commentary as far as I know. So this this sounds like a pretty good payday for Chris Gullo then. <laughs> let's just say MMA paydays. Well, let's just say MMA paydays are they better should, than wrestling paydays. I mean, I'll leave it at four dollars. Now, what's a uh, we have this ESW show coming up this coming Saturday, uh, which will be the first. Yeah, it's not the first uh, in- indie show in the area since the pandemic, but it's one of the first. No. General admission is twenty, I think, right? Twenty presale, twenty five at the door. Why is why is wrestling so much cheaper yeah. than MMA? I think it's the cost that I, I think popularity, and I think it's the cost that the certain fan base would want to spend. Um, wrestling fans when it comes to well wrestling fans normally are wrestling fans and that's why they go i think i think a lot of people go to mma fights it might not be mma fans they're just there for a night out with their friends and like oh there's gonna be fights in the cage like i mean because these mma fights that i do like there's once in a while like a notable guy but normally they're it's just locals Mm -hmm. and it's packed and people are into it, and I think it's I think it's just the a night out with with your friends. Oh yeah, let's go see the fights. Where like a night out with your friends to see local wrestling. I don't think that that goes well. I think, if you're that, not I think that kind fan. of applies to especially if you're if you're talking about a a, sh- a show an in, independent wrestling show. That's what I would call a local wrestling show that has a lot of local wrestlers on it, and you're encouraging your local wrestlers to sell tickets, which means a lot of their friends and family members come who are. Certainly not the type of people who would go to an independent wrestling event. Otherwise, if their friend or family member was not on the show, and I think those, I think that kind of describes yeah. they're just there for a night out and to hang out. And oh yeah, they can, they're they're acquainted enough with wrestling and that they get into it and they have a good time and they you know have some concessions. And uh, I, I don't know. 
I well, like I just know for my personal when I like tell people in my uh, my day job, oh, I'm doing wrestling. There's a couple people that are interested in tickets. I said something about MMA, and I've had a lot of people go, oh, where's this event? What's the information? Like it's and I don't. It's not and it's not like I overhear these people talking about what the last UFC fight was or whatever. I just think it's. I don't know if it's a generalized. Is it because wrestling's fake and dumb, fake sport? I well, I I I think people have. I've been talking about perception, in yeah. A, yeah, in a corner, yeah, for per se, yeah, perception wise, but yeah, I mean, I, it, I've seen the crowds, and listen, I've seen some wrestling crowds that have been bigger than some of the MMA crowds, but not many. Mostly, the MMA crowds yeah. are larger. And like, is there something wrestling could do to to have less of that perception? Or is there something that wrestling has done to enhance and preserve that perception that? That downstream, uh, I may be leading with this question here, but that downstream affects everybody right down to the, the smallest indie. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know. Like, uh, I could say something, but then I won't really believe it because it's the old thinking like, oh, when guys were just guys and, uh, you know, and the, the wrestling. But here's the thing. The, the old historians that like to tell you, oh. There are so many big gates in the territories. There were so many this and that. I've looked at a lot of territory results lately, locally and like in Albany and stuff like that. And these draws are not great. But this was the and golden what, days what, what, for the, the period packed houses. Be a decade. Um, 40s, 50s, 60s. Well, yeah, like a, way yeah. Off here. But there was like weekly wrestling at the odd, which was, was at, you know, the old hockey where the Sabres used to play. And there, there was weekly wrestling at yeah. the odd for a, a period in the, uh, you know, the pre, the pre Vince era. Um, yeah. Where I imagine they were drawing thousands on a weekly basis, even if they weren't filling that, that venue. Thousands. That's, I, I mean, that, I don't know what I'm talking about. Though. That, that's my impression. That's what I was. But but for the, for the big markets, I kind of see that. But like all these like smaller markets, like I'm looking at the shows, and like if somebody ran that town now, they would draw, you know. And then also too, some of these some of these figures just 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 don't make any sense. Like I I saw a listing for a town that was like near Albany, where the people that attended in 1952 was more than what the <laughs> population was. Well, it's a, it's a metro area, right? But- <laughs> I mean, you have yeah. college football games, right? That when there's when when it's game day, the, the population triples or whatever. But yeah. um, <laughs> I, I I tend to believe that it's 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 not all one or the other, but somewhere there's some some truth to the I think the notion that wrestling in the, the mainstream wrestling uh, in its in its endeavor to to capture this semi mythical casual fan has made itself more of a niche form of entertainment than it might be otherwise to a degree. Um, not that if mainstream U S wrestling was way, way better that indie wrestling would be booming and, and drawing thousands every weekend, but, but we would be doing a little bit better. I think if, if, if big time TV wrestling had not, um, made wrestling into the degree of a joke and a, and an escapist, uh, I got to be careful with my words here, but it had 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 done a better job producing emotional and dramatic and long term stories or something like that. But anyway, if, if U.S. wrestling was better, U.S. wrestling would be better. Uh, indies would even be better, I guess, is what I'm saying. A little bit, not a massive difference, but some. I, th- I think it just takes. 
I think it just takes a hot character and hot period. Business was up with Hulk Hogan. Business was up with Stone Cold and and the Monday Night Wars. No, no so indie wrestling at, as we know it today at the, at those times. No, but 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 like doing research for my other show, rediscovering the Indies, and also the this day in independent wrestling history, the the attendance numbers. Now this is what they're reporting for those like indie feds in like New Jersey and North Carolina and all that during that 1997 to like 2000 period. Pretty good. They mm-hmm. dip in 2001, uh, but the, the you're talking 500 plus in like a small yeah. town in New Jersey. <laughs> I think part of it is the mystery of wrestling inevitably eroding away. And I don't think that's anybody's fault that that, that happened. But I, th- I think if the product took itself a little bit more seriously, I think we would all be better off than we, than we are today. But, you know, it's another thing to blame Vince McMahon about, I guess. Uh, all right. Uh, what do you want to talk about, Golo? Well, uh, let's right get into it and start with Monday Night Raw. We're going to break down some TV ratings and live events. And like you said, Brandon, you have quarter hours for Monday Night Raw. This Monday Night Raw, after Money in the Bank here. And it was the first Monday Night Raw with fans. Uh, we saw John Cena uh, on the show. We saw Keith Lee on the return on the show, as well as Karrion Cross had a controversial yeah. debut. Do you have ratings in show. front of you? You're about to surprise me. Oh, and, Gol- and, Goldberg. and Goldberg was yes. back. Uh, do, do you happen to have ratings in front of you? I, 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 I do not. With ratings. No, you have not. It was leading All into right. you. Um, <laughs> we have... I can pull up the quarter hours here. Uh, which is... This is from my... T- this is from my tweets uh, earlier this week. Where we have that. And if I pull up the, uh, we can pull out the spreadsheet here in the meantime as well. Um, but for the opening segment, uh, this did just over 2 million viewers for the John Cena segment. Uh, there's a couple other quarters, uh, in with this would be the fourth and fifth quarter. Remember, this is a, f- a five, uh, three hour show. This is the first time I've ever really seen quarter hours. Uh, for Raw, at least in, in many, many years. You know, the Observer used to have quarter hours uh, way back in the day. Uh, and I think I think Wade Keller has, has put out a minute-by-minute minute for at least one episode in the last five years or so. Um, but but this gives you an idea of, of how the show went. I thought it was uh, pretty consistent. Uh, it's not as if uh, people tuned in. People knew Cena was going to be there. Right, that was advertised at least on social media ahead of time uh, that Cena was going to be on Raw. He didn't really do anything except for appear and talk to Matt Riddle for a minute. I think it was it was pretty blatantly it was just there there to help the rating. Um, but it's not as if everybody tuned in, saw their John Cena, and tuned out. It held up pretty well for the rest of the program. Um, not a ton of drop off. Um, yeah, I don't think there's a ton to unpack here uh, as far as the quarters go, but it's definitely interesting to see them and see how, at least in, in this show, if, if you if you were ever going to expect there to be a big tune-out, it, it might be this one. If you're just checking out Raw for the first time in a long time, I mean, this rating was up. Um, if you're just checking out Raw for the first time in a long time, uh, you might be quick to tune out. But that's not what happened. It, it, it seems as if, I mean, this is not what Nielsen is telling us. Uh, Nielsen is not telling us about 
unique viewers and whether or not uh, they watched the whole show. But it, the data here, the trend suggests that a lot of people watched the whole show or watched a lot of the show. It was the first Monday Night Raw I watched that was like a lot longer than me. You watched, the, last you watched the entire Monday Night Raw, Chris Gullo. I watched from like nine to 11. So you watched the last two hours. You did not see John Cena. Um, I did not be pulling this up. Uh, if this will load while I'm running, I'm running zoom. I'm running OBS and I'm doing a live stream here. So if we blow this up, this is the, the most recent episode and last week's episode. Uh, that's probably too big. There we go. So now you should be able to see that Golo. Yep. So yeah, it looks like, you know, overall we, uh, little under 2 million, which that's where, you know, you, you kind of gauged your, uh, do you remember my prediction, your prediction there? Uh, but, uh, yeah, like it, it, it was right on 1.90. Right, if I remember correctly. All right. So yeah. So this did at 1.923. Uh, and in that 18 to 49, it looks like a 0.57 from that chart. Yes. Uh, yeah. Try to read it there. So, so yeah, I mean, an, an, I mean, this was expected. Let's see how it holds up, but a nice uh, rating for them back with fans. It, it was about I, I did a a video uh, earlier this week talking about the ratings because people went uh, out of their minds when they saw the uh, the dynamite rating, which was a good rating. It's I know it's not um, massive, but a, a good rating, which we'll talk about uh, in a bit. Um, but it, it went uh, over twenty, about a twenty percent uh, bump. And uh, that's about what I expected it to do. SmackDown did similar. We we already talked about that last week based on the overnight, which was pretty uh, accurate to what the usual differences are between the overnight and the final. But uh, so here we have everything. And I think you should be able to see this pretty well. Uh, how's that? It's definitely better. But all right here. Yeah, so. It's a little harder for me to read, so. Which one next? All right. So, well, next we wanted to kind of talk about the attendance figures in, in, in Dallas for Monday Night Raw. Um, the Dallas uh, for last week's, uh, no, so this most recent uh, Monday, did 9,189, which is a virtual sellout. Uh, WrestleTix has had 215 tickets uh, not distributed. So American Airlines Center, maybe they had a, a configuration that they could have set up for an even bigger draw, but uh, just under 10,000. Uh, similar, slightly lower than, than what they did the night before uh, for Money in the Bank in Fort Worth. Um, WWE already had their first house show last night in Pittsburgh, 7,700, the first non-televised live event. Uh, so All right. So uh, we're going to move on next to NXT uh, and look for the quarter hours of NXT there. And the NXT uh, after raw with the debut of carrying cross. So I was interested to see what would, uh, what would happen with that here. Uh, but we have the uh, quarter hour ratings as we're loading them up on this virtual screen here for you. Um, NXT did over 700,000 viewers again, which was surprising to me. Um, I think it's 
maybe some downstream interest. I'm, I'm skeptical of this idea that uh, all this Kieran Cross conversation strongly played into this number. Uh, I think the bigger factor would be just the fact that we had more people watching, about 20% more people watching both Raw and SmackDown this week. Um, maybe the Kieran Cross thing matters a little bit, but but not as much as the fact that just more people were watching WWE this week and maybe decided to watch NXT this week. Now, granted, it's not even up from last week by that much. Um, 709,000 this week for NXT. 705,000 last week, which is also a good number. And I, I, I keep bringing this up that compared to the Great American Bash episode that they did the, the two weeks before that, 654,000. So Great American Bash uh, didn't do this huge rating for them, despite the fact that they put on this this big pay-per-view-like card. And then you got two weeks of more normal uh, lineups for TV that did better than that. Um, so that was fine. Uh, the quarter hours, I hesitate to ever draw these these huge conclusions from quarter hours. But if we uh, bring up the quarter hour, the line chart for the quarter hours is here. Um, the peak uh, is at the overrun. So not a full quarter, but the overrun uh, would have contained the finish to the Zaylee and Raquel Gonzalez match with 775,000 viewers. Uh, that the, the finish of that match, plus the promo between Samoa Joe and Karrion Cross. All right. Uh, moving on, uh, you, you already talked about earlier, but AW Dynamite and their rating, uh, this week as they continue to have some solid, yes. solid, uh, showings in the ratings. 1.148 million viewers. Um, yeah, I, I talked about this a bit, uh, in, in the video earlier this week and we talked about it at length with Mookie, uh, yesterday as we record this, it was Saturday. Um, AW did really well. Uh, no NBA competition, uh, like there was the week prior. So, and the rating was up a bit. Um, in those four weeks where there was no, uh, where they were not in their normal time slot and they were preempted to Friday and, and then on one week to Saturday, I had been wondering whether there was some habitual viewing that maybe had been broken that wouldn't resume right away when they went back to their Wednesday time slot. But nonetheless, on the Wednesday time slot, the, you know, the first two weeks, they did over 800,000 viewers. And at least on one of those occasions, they were going against NBA playoffs. I almost wonder if uh, maybe there was some broken habitual viewing, but that at the same time, interest has increased slightly in, uh, in, in in Dynamite to the point where maybe you're getting some people back into the habit of viewing and uh, lo and behold just putting on a good product and uh, that actually encourages people to watch a show. I know that's that's a dumb idea and, and people shouldn't take that idea too seriously that a good show would actually have economic returns that are desirable but uh, that seems to be what's happening here for AEW. I watch Dynamite as well uh, and you know, overall a really good show. How now I don't think it might have made a big difference, but how much of a difference do you think it plays in that the buzz this week on the internet about the rumored signings of both individuals, Daniel Bryan and CM Punk, as far as maybe even getting it from that one point oh five that at one point one? Yeah, I think that helps a little bit. Not a huge factor, but I do think that helps a little bit in we've seen other news stories, I would say, affect ratings. 
I, I want to say that the Kenny Omega thing that happened for Impact in December, where Kenny Omega's first appearance um, on Impact, that popped. I don't know if that's Impact's biggest rating ever, but it's one of them. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's the biggest one since their debut episode on, on Access. It's number one or number two for them. And I think, yeah, part of that was to tune in to see Kenny Omega. And I think part of it was because it was kind of a news story that AEW and Impact were going to have this interaction, this interpromotional uh, thing going. And um, I think the Brody Lee story, uh, when Brody Lee passed away in December, a lot of people tuned in for that, and that's kind of a big news story. Um, and I think this is not a news story that you're going to see on the screen. I don't think anybody expected to turn on their TV on Wednesday night and see CM Punk or Daniel Bryan. Uh, excuse me, Bryan Danielson. Uh, Jimmy Van from Fightful has said this earlier. But it's, how, if, if, Brian, if Brian Danielson ends up uh, wrestling for AEW, how many times is JR going to, going to call him Daniel Bryan? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's a curiosity thing. So if you're say you're a WWE fan and you read the story, oh, Punk's possibly going to AEW. Daniel Bryan, like you might just go, let's see what this AEW is all about. You know, and 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 next week, uh, we'll see how big of a bump they get from the GCW universe for Nick Gage. Nick Gage, um, you know what the uh, I think think of the biggest minute. For eight, well, let's put the uh, the quarter hours here. As we were, uh, Mookie was showing me sort of an obscured and showing the viewers an obscured uh, line chart for the minute by minute ratings. And uh, I think one of the things that he was saying to me was that the uh, the the biggest minute for uh, the show for AEW does that make sense? No, that doesn't make sense. At least, I mean, it doesn't add up with this. But the, the, you did say that there was a big jump when, when Nick Gage was introduced on screen. Uh, but the biggest quarter for AEW uh, was this third quarter here that included the, the Kenny Omega and Adam Page angle. Uh, but the lead for 1849, the leading quarter for 1849 was the main event between Moxley and Lance Archer. Um. I'm not sure what, you know, what your prediction would be, uh, but I predict uh even more of a, you know, an uptick, probably a small uptick, but more of a, a an uptick, especially with next week. I think just to continue rumors, I know once again, people don't think they're going to, they might not show up yet, but I think the curiosity, but I also think, I mean, listen, Nick Cage is the most popular wrestler on the independence Twitter, you know, and which matters, uh, <laughs> you know, not everybody believes that, but if you go on Twitter, man, and you saw after he debuted or when he was on dark side of the ring and, I I it's good. I think they're going to get a nice little uptick. Like like I said, not gigantic, but maybe they go to one point two. It depends on the. I mean, we'll have the Olympics here. Um, yeah, I think we'll, I think we'll talk about Impact next, but SmackDown after that. Um, like as I said the other day, if you, if you've got a bad rating, there's a, there's a convenient excuse now for the next couple of weeks because there's the Olympics. Olympics Olympics did do ten million. Um, uh, for the opening ceremony on Friday. Yeah, but I, I also think with the Olympics too, the the timing of stuff. You know what I mean? Stuff's being played really early in the morning here in the United States because they're in Tokyo. Like last night, I happened to see the live volleyball at like one thirty in the morning. <laughs> but all right, uh, and then for 
the dynamite attendance figures itself with in Garland, Texas, which 30 minutes outside of Dallas. Yes. So you got to think about that. They ran in pretty much the same city that WWE ran. Yeah, I didn't realize that this was so close to Dallas. I guess this is probably something I looked up a couple times uh, earlier when we were first looking at these dates. But Garland's 30 minutes outside of Dallas, 5,688. Um, how many days after? Two days after uh, WWE was in, in – uh, American Airlines Arena, right? In Dallas with over 9,000. So that same market doing uh, two days apart, a 9,000 live uh, attended live event and an eight or in a 5,000 roundup 700 uh, people at a, at a live event for AEW. All right. Uh, and we're going to move on to impact wrestling as a, uh, We've seen the ratings not as good as they've wanted them to be, uh, obviously up from that uh, programming uh, listing disaster. But uh, what do we have this week for Impact Wrestling, Brandon? 104,000 viewers, which is down from the prior week of 109, down from the week before that of 120. And uh, there, there's the, uh, the 69,000 for the program guide error, uh, 111 before that. So this is... Versus the median of the last five, this is down 5%. It's also down 5% versus last week. Um, 18 to 49, though, was up. They j- did just 32,000 viewers, 18 to 49 the prior week, uh, 49,000 the week before that. So 52 is is better than it's, it's, it's up and it's not down. Most interesting thing here, though, if we scroll all the way over in the WrestleMonics spreadsheet, where I have a thing called median age listed, uh, the median age, median viewer is 48 years old for this episode of Impact, which sounds pretty old, but if you look at the week before, good God, you can't even see this on the thing. Uh, Let's move this over so you can. 59 years old, the median viewer last week, was almost 60 years old last week. Uh, That was on the high end, though. 54 the week before that. 59 the week before that. Uh... As you can see here, uh, AEW is the only one that's under 50 with any regularity. Uh, but a way younger viewer here than usual watching this show, I can't help but think that that has something to do with uh, the buzz that, that came from uh, the, the Slammiversary pay-per-view. And you have New Japan people running around and Jay White uh, confronting Kenny Omega. Yeah, we, we saw the debuts of Jay White and the return of uh, Chelsea Green and... Uh promos for Aiden English. He's going to be like the drama king. Matt Morris, I think his name is going to be. Um, sorry, I didn't prepare you for this, Brandon, but how does that compare to the post-Slammiversary impact from 2020 that had a lot of buzz with all, with all the debuts that it had, like Brian Myers and, and Heath uh, Slater and others? Oh, and the Good Brothers. <laughs> so... Here's the line of concern for what you're asking about. Down 5% total. We're dealing with such a small sample here, so maybe it's just just volatile. But 51%. So, Slammiversary last year. uh, Do you know what the date is of Slammiversary 2020? The 17th, I think? You know that off the top of your head? Because it was like literally the day people were allowed to sign. (laughs) Like after the 90 days. So July 17th. I remember it being such a big deal that they were so close to that release date. Okay. We are scrolling. I could be wrong. Scrolling through the the spreadsheet. And it it should be marked in here too. Uh, If you're, if if you're correct, if you're not, we should be able to find it. 
Uh, so the 21st, it would be the first one after July 17th. And is that marked as a post pay-per-view? Do I have this marked in here? I do. Here we go. Yep. Slammiversary. 21st is the first episode after Slammiversary. Okay. And that did relative to, to normal. It was a 14% jump on total. Okay. 69% jump on 1849 and d- more than doubles 18 to 34. So this is, so last year's post pay-per-view Slammiversary episode of Impact did a bigger jump versus the median of the prior four weeks than this one did by percentage. Yeah, I, I just feel naturally there was just a bigger buzz. July 18th, I was off by one day, but still, you had the same numbers. Oh, yeah, you have to, yeah this, I mean, you can yeah. see it here, too. This is, yeah, this is, this was definitely the one after Slammiversary. So, yeah, I was v- very, very curious of that. Um, we'll, uh, we'll move on to SmackDown. And uh, the, a split venue smackdown here uh with uh cleveland and uh the rolling loud festival in uh miami florida which those fans i don't think they they really wanted that there but uh, to buy the facial looks but uh well i guess i guess they put on some matches yeah. in the meantime while while that was going on at uh in miami uh, 10,255 tickets distributed for this event for SmackDown in Cleveland. Many of those tickets sold before the Rolling Loud uh, uh, simulcast was announced. Uh, 617 available. So a near sellout com- uh, relative to their, to their configuration here. I, I'm, I'm hesitant to to say that to say that these are like these are genuinely the degree to which these events were sold out because this is more so, we should say, relative to the number of tickets that they made available. Um, configurations can always be changed. Uh, if demand is really strong, especially towards the time where the event is going to happen, they can make additional seats available. Um, these earlier events, though, like uh, Money in the Bank, the first SmackDown, uh, the Cedar Park, Texas Dynamite, those I would absolutely call sellouts. But anyway, uh, over 10,000 in Cleveland which is pretty good, I would say, relative to pre-pandemic. And what was the overnight rating, if you have that? We have some confusion and controversy uh, with sources here uh, about what the fast affiliate rating is. We will get the final uh, tomorrow afternoon. Uh, We may even have it by the time a lot of the people who listen to this podcast are listening to it. Um, But we have uh, the, the number reported by TV series finale, is 2.15 million for a not for a fast affiliate but for a um it comes out to my prediction is 2.15 um but spoiler tv uh, reports something a little bit lower um if it'll load they report uh, for hour one of smackdown 1.992 million and for hour two 2.026 million if you if you average those two numbers and then multiply that by the usual difference between the fast affiliate and the final, you get a slightly uh, lower number of, I think it's something like 2.012 million. Uh, what, no, I'm sorry, 2.12 million. 2.12 and 2.16 is, is the difference that we're having here. The point of this is, uh, well, this is about in the middle between what last week did for the first show back on the road and what the weeks before uh, going back on the road did in the Thunderdome. So 
basically there was this jump last week, and basically about half of that jump is present here, is what it looks like. We'll, we'll know for sure on, on Monday evening when we get the final. Uh, as you might be able to see here, the Tokyo Olympics on NBC, the fast affiliate rating for that, for these are th- three hours of... Uh, of Tokyo Olympics opening ceremonies and whatnot. 10 million, 10.9 million viewers is the fast failure measurement uh, for 8 o'clock. 10.6 million at 9 and 9.8 million at, uh, at 11. So that's probably going to end up being a little bit higher when the finals come out. So, uh, yeah, any, anything I would say that's over over 4 million, over 5 million is, is pretty big. Uh, and, and that's... Uh, the Olympics will be here as a as a convenient excuse if, if you've got mm-hmm. a bad rating. Um, but so there's going to be whatever number we get Monday night, and then there's going to be the, the raw rating that we'll get probably Tuesday night, uh, and those will be the numbers that WWE executives will walk into the uh, the earnings call with. I guess like an NXT number as well, but they never talk about NXT ratings. Um, but I think they'll be able to spin a narrative that are oh, we're back on the road and we're we sold all we sold out this one and that one and Summer SummerSlam is doing really well and and our ratings are up by X percent. Um, I think that's definitely going to be the, the narrative that spun. I am though curious what the raw rating is going to be like. Uh, I think we could have a, a, a pretty normal raw rating. We don't have. I think th- this this episode of SmackDown that just happened on Friday night was benefited by the fact that you had John Cena appearing on SmackDown for the first time in who knows how long, right? Even though he did appear on Raw, but he's appearing on SmackDown. He's the notion is that he's going to have this confrontation with Roman Reigns that you that you got teased uh, uh, on the pay per view for. What's the attraction here for Raw? I guess we'll have Goldberg, but. Uh, I, th- I think uh, Goldberg's been been quite spent. There's not a ton of novelty there, um, and I uh, maybe they'll announce something huge uh, Monday morning, but that remains to be seen. Yeah, maybe like Shane McMahon comes back or something like that. <laughs> Anything they could do to to, to he, the he's the best thing. he's the best wrestler in the world. He proved it in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Uh, uh, prediction. Let's let's do a prediction yeah, okay. for we 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 kind of know what the what the SmackDown rating is going to be. It's going to be just over uh, two million. It's going to be about. Let me look at that that again. It's going to be about one point one five million or so. Um, Raw one point nine million last week. Uh, let's say what's what's the average of of these these two numbers so the the last thunderdome and the first raw on the road the average of those two numbers would be about 1.7 and a half um that would be tough to spin remember that that's not the all-time low the all-time low was the week before that with 1.472 um the 1.75 1.75 will be what i predict 1.75 uh I think they're going to take a little bit more of a dip nor to normal. I'm going to go 1.6. Oh my god! Yeah, because the Olympics, the Olympics, the, the Olympics, and uh, the the uh, the convenience store is open 24 seven now. Too. Yep, yep, yeah. exactly. Yes, <laughs> um, we can go to some uh, live event uh, highlights. Uh, as far as uh, ticket sales and whatnot, uh, we'll start with uh, the Arthur Ashe stadium that will be for uh, AEW on September uh, 22nd. Uh, Doing very, very, very well. Very well. Yes. And these numbers from WrestleTix, who is tracking Ticketmaster and other outlets by using dot counting software. Um, I think I have these highlighted still. There we go. 
So we have in Flushing, which is a way of saying Queens, I guess, uh, at Arthur Ashe Stadium. Tickets out at the moment, 16,710. Um, if you, if you, if you want to compare that to Madison Square Garden, uh, with its higher ticket prices and with its requirement of showing proof of, of vaccination, uh, 8,621. So nearly double. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you, you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh, hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. What Madison Square Garden is doing is is what AEW is doing at Arthur Ashe at the moment. With lower ticket prices and, as far as I know, no requirement to show you that you're vaccinated. Uh, that is going to be, uh, continues to be uh, a little bit more each day. The it will be the most attended event in AEW history. More so than Double or Nothing 2019, more so than the first dynamite in washington uh yeah all right and uh moving uh on to the first super show aka house show for WWE, was uh this past saturday night as we record the uh, last night in pittsburgh pennsylvania and where were we at on ticket sales last reported on that one this was last night the 24th 
uh, by WrestleTix count, 7,735, uh, with 313 available. So that, that's 96% distributed out of what they had available, um, which is pretty good for a house show. House shows normally doing around, I don't pre pandemic, I would say 4,000 or so. Um, Pittsburgh for AEW, if you want to compare that. Yeah, I was going to say, this is a market that's going to have two AEW shows. Mind you, this is TV compared to non-televised. So this is complicated because we have a combo package here offered for both events. But there's Rampage uh, and there's Dynamite. So Dynamite is first on the 11th of August. Uh, Right now, just over 4,000 tickets out. And uh, for the Rampage on the Friday... Uh, just under 4,000, 3,890 is what is out. And I think that includes the combos. The combos are only just under 400, though. So uh, if you combine those, yes, that is more than... Uh, that is a sum of, of what, 7,900, which would be more than than the... Uh, let's see, where were we, where were we here? It's just just barely more than the, than the house show tickets distributed. But it's two shows, and it's TV, so I... It's not the most apples to apples comparison there. All right, and uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna switch gears a little bit, and we're gonna go to the world of YouTube and YouTube views. I know you've been breaking this down, uh, Brandon, as far as YouTube views with the uh, uh, various uh, professional wrestling companies. Mm-hmm. Mookie says, "Oh wow, there's there is someone called Mookie Ghana in the chat." He says that's great for a house show. Uh, really, really enjoying the attendance numbers for for WWE super shows. Um, someone else in the chat uh, says, "Look at these handsome math boys." So we we appreciate uh, <laughs> our viewers, our viewers who are really I, I would say competing with these numbers that we're going over here as far as uh, you know thousands of tickets yeah. distributed I, I won't disclose these numbers uh, may, maybe in our SEC filings I'll get to them <laughs> but uh, what do you want to know about YouTube uh, well let, let's talk about uh, you know an uh, update on YouTube views with the various yeah. wrestling companies well I uh, so here's what I did there's a, a website called socialblade.com. Have you, are you familiar with socialblade.com? First of all, I am not. You, you teach me stuff every week on this show. No, you'll learn eventually. <laughs> uh, Social Blade is a, is a website that tracks social media numbers for, you know, for just about every social media platform you can think of and some that I've never heard of. Um, so, so they track YouTube views. But how they track YouTube views is if you go to, to somebody's YouTube channel and you click on their about, you might have seen this before. They, they'll show you the all-time number of YouTube views that this channel has received, right? You familiar with that? Yes. You ever seen that? Yeah. So if I have, um, let's say, 5,000 all-time YouTube views, if I delete one of my, my videos that has, let's say, 1,000 YouTube views – it now my all-time views are four thousand because it's just taking a, a total of all of my. I think unlisted would be included, but it's taking a total of all of my public and, and probably unlisted videos, uh, video views. So if I make a video private or if I delete it, that number of the number of views that belong to that video are subtracted from my all-time total. So that's the complication here that we're that we're dealing with when uh, you know the, the social blade numbers may not be exactly what they seem to be. That said, 
I am a subscriber to Social Blade, which is like a $10 a month, the silver tier. So now I can see not just monthly data, not just weekly data on Social Blade, but oh, I can see daily data. And uh, it goes back about three years. So we have at least uh, two whole year. We have two, the entire year of 2019 here, entire year of 2020 here. And the first six months now are passed for 2021. So what I've done, uh, this deleted and made private video issue really affects NWA because they made everything private at one point, I think. And this really affects MLW because they made a lot, if, a lot private because I think they were trying to do media deals. So what I've done, uh, and this affects probably everybody to some degree because everybody's taken a video down for one reason or another, probably. Um, so what I've tried to do here is take the daily data I scraped it with Python, um, and I said, all right, any day that has a negative number, because they will actually register a negative number on the day that you make uh, more of your views private or deleted than you had views that day, you'll have a negative view count for that day. Uh, so I said, any day that's negative or any day that I, that I think is like only 25% of what, what the, the normal would be, I, I don't know how I formulated this, but any any day that's you know, 75% lower than what you would normally do. Uh, let's replace that with the median. So replacing negative numbers and really un unusually low numbers for your channel with a median of like the surrounding days. I think I did something like the surrounding five or 10 days. Um, so that should account, that should help us at least better understand uh, what's really going on here than, than if we just scraped it and said, this is what it is. Um, because then we would have a lot, of, a lot of numbers that would be lower than they should be. So anyway, what we find is in uh, in 2019, Impact Wrestling. Uh, let's not talk about WWE yet. WWE's way ahead of everybody. We'll we'll talk about just how far ahead WWE is uh, uh, on everybody. But Impact Wrestling in 2019, uh, over 470 million video views. Uh, AEW had only launched early that year and had not really been producing. It certainly had not been producing weekly content for all of that year. Uh, so AEW is way behind. But what what you're seeing this right now, so this uh, maybe uh, you can maybe this isn't a, 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 a most a suspenseful question for to ask you, but maybe it will test your knowledge of your, your ability to read charts, Chris Gullo. What is the number two YouTube channel for wrestling, at least among these wrestling channels that I looked at uh, in 2019 and 2020 for that matter? Uh, impact. Number two, uh, besides WWE, besides WWE and besides Impact. What's, oh, so I guess number three. Uh, be, beyond Wrestling. Beyond Wrestling. Full disclosure, I've wrestled for Beyond Wrestling a number of times. Um, so Brandon Thurston equals YouTube views. Okay. I, I, it's probably not me. It's probably that inter, intergender wrestling in some of those, uh, how do I say, uh, uh, spectacular thumbnails that they use from time to time. Um, and, uh, and, and who knows where this, uh, it, it's, it's always been, you know, speculated that, uh, you know, Beyond and Limitless do really, really well and they, they push intergender wrestling pretty hard, at least on their YouTube channels. Um, and, uh, it, it may be the case that there's a lot of uh, international, YouTube traffic happening there, maybe most especially in certain countries where certain kinds of adult content is restricted. Uh, speculation only on our part. Uh, so beyond in 20, I think it's, it's remarkable though. There's a number of ways to, uh, to, to read this and say what's going on here. But in 2020 beyond wrestling had more YouTube views 
than AEW. Even though AEW was um, had a full year of being on TNT that year in 2020, but Beyond had more YouTube views. Yeah, I I think one of the you know we talked about this last time we talked about YouTube was the way you know impact for some impact markets their YouTube where as impact is going on and they have the luxury to do this with the tape show, but as impact is going on, they're putting stuff out on Twitter with the YouTube clips, you know? So if someone's mm-hmm. not watching live or they just want to check that and, and, and all that. And I think beyond it's just the, the, you said the, you know, the, the product as far as, you know, who it's appealing to, but also I think it, when it comes to social media, I, I've said this before on the show, a, AW does Instagram really well. Like they do Instagram very, very well. And like you can see Instagram live videos throughout as uh, dynamite goes on. I feel like they should apply that approach to YouTube as well. And I, I think that you would see these YouTube numbers grow if people like, Oh, Hey, I just got home to work at nine o'clock. Oh, I can catch that, you know, segment on YouTube real quick as of, you know, Instagram mm-hmm. live. Um, so Impact did better than AEW in 2020, also despite the fact that Impact is on Access, a TV channel that's in far fewer homes. Now, granted, they're, they're in India. They have TV in India, and AEW does not have TV in India uh, beyond fight, uh, of course. Um, but I think a big factor here that, you know, in, in the mind of the wrestling fan, I think you know, Impact is well below where, where AEW is at um, in terms of profile in terms of, I guess, mindshare. But I think a huge factor of what's happening here is the video library and it's the backlog. Um, one thing that I, I guess I wish I could scrape and find out, but I, I can't do it easily, is how many, how many minutes or hours of, of video does Impact have on their channel compared to, say, AEW? I would bet it's multiples. Yeah. Uh, and, and on top of that, they've got, you know, video... With matches and and other segments, including some of the biggest stars in wrestling over the last couple decades. Uh, It's it's a company that's existed since 2002. It's almost 20 years. Um, So there's that. And I think it's it's really an under-talked-about issue how much more important a legacy is today than it was, you know, when we were kids. Um... I think that's going to be one of the biggest reasons why WB is is has more security here. I think I think we're on the verge of a time where, <clears throat> uh, for new content, I really think AEW is going to start to compete closely with Raw and SmackDown for for viewership in, in the next maybe months, but next couple of years. Um, but WWE is going to have so much media in their archives and so much brand recognition, yes. But I hope they're going to have so much intellectual property, by the way, of trademarks and the video library that that's going to really protect them. And uh, you know, nostalgia and being able to go back into a media library and on a streaming service is is kind of a big deal in a way that you know all we had was Blockbuster back in the day, and. Uh, I think it's really going to fortify WWE if and probably when, you know, their, their, their core content, their new content continues to decline and becomes, uh, uh, even less ahead of AEW. All right. 
and you wanted to look at WWE's YouTube views as well. Okay. Uh, the YouTube. Okay, take this one away. There's that one. So let's talk about the last six months. In the last six months, there have been about 7 billion YouTube views on WWE's channel. 7 billion. If you take all these promotions that I'm about to list, AEW, Impact, Beyond Wrestling, Limitless Wrestling, New Japan Pro Wrestling, both the English channel and the Japanese channel, Ring of Honor, Stardom, MLW, NWA, add them all up. January to June. Add them all up. And what you get is about a half a billion for January to June for all of those companies that I just listed. Compare that again, compare that to WWE. Seven billion. It's fourteen times the difference. <laughs> fourteen times. I mean, obviously, you know, we don't want to talk about the, just how long they've been around, being the, the global leading brand, and they market themselves very well on YouTube. Like, you'll you'll see things pop up, like it's three sixteen day revisit Stone Cold Steve Austin's greatest moments. Like, they almost have something for every day on YouTube, something like that. Yeah. Well, they have a lot of employees who, yeah. who work on that. Um, th- what does this matter? I guess. What does YouTube matter economically? That's probably a good time to talk about this. Um, what does YouTube mean in terms of revenue? It depends on where where the, the viewership is coming from, right? Uh, my rule of thumb is to it, it costs about uh, or it takes about a, a thousand views to generate one dollar. Um, now, if if more of your traffic is coming from the U.S. or from from other uh, regions where the economy is stronger. Maybe it's a little bit more favorable in that. If, if fewer, if you, if fewer of your views are coming from fully developed economies, then it's lower than that, right? I think you get what I'm saying. I don't know if I'm saying this right, but yeah. But let's say, let's say that's accurate. Uh, One thousand views equals a dollar. Um, so let's take six point nine five billion and put that into the calculator. And divide that by one thousand, and what, what what I get there is about seven million dollars for WB. Um, and and if that if this is an indication about how the rest of the year is going to go, just double that. That's fourteen million dollars. Um, so I guess I want to bring this up too in the context of when when people start reacting to ratings. One of my favorite sports. Uh, I hope that's an Olympic sport. Maybe, maybe next round. <laughs> uh, ratings reactions. Uh, people, people say, well, you know, the, really, the, the TV rating is not really that relevant anymore. I mean, everybody watches it on YouTube now, and uh, I, I, and then that may be well be true in terms of consumer behavior. But where is the money coming from yeah. that's uh, sustaining these companies? Okay, fourteen million dollars is a lot of money. It's more than I have in my bank account. I don't know about you, Chris Gold. Uh, yeah. You're a, big, you're, you're a big Bitcoin investor, so uh, I don't know. I mean, even though I can afford wonderful houseplants like this. Oh, look at that. Yeah, this is for the studio. But $14 million, a lot of money for most people. Uh, but that's, that's okay, full year, right? Uh, what do they get for SmackDown in a year? Do you know, have, have, you, have you committed that to memory yet, Cole? What does W get from SmackDown? Just from the U.S., not even the rest of the world. Just the U.S. Um... Is that it, that's a quarter billion, right? Is that two hundred fifty on that? 
205. 205, okay, yeah. Close. That raw is closer to, to a quart. Yeah. Raw is 265. Okay, that's right. And then peacock okay. is like around 200. 200. 200, okay. That's close. Uh, core, core content. But yeah, uh, 14 million is just a tiny fraction of these numbers. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's good to have this, and you want to do this. I there, there's the argument that well, this is cannibalizing your TV viewership. I mean, maybe you didn't put all your stuff on YouTube. Your your TV viewership would be higher. And in fact, in India, they they feel that way enough that you know, to appease their their TV partner Sony, uh, it, at least some of the YouTube content in India is geo blocked. Um, but I, I I I tend to think if you don't put a lot of good content on YouTube then you're going to be missing out on a generation to a great degree uh, because perhaps we're, we're going to live in a, in a time where, where people who are kids now uh, maybe are never going to really participate in linear TV. I'm not sure. I mean, I, I think I think live TV will continue to exist in, in some form, but it's, it's going to be consumed in a, in a different way. Um, so I think to, to totally abandon YouTube or not to take social media that seriously, like say, I think ring of honor, if you look at, look at where ring of honor, look where we think of ring of honor's profile and look at where their YouTube views are relative to everybody else. It's, it's disproportionately small. Um, I think you're missing out on a generation there. And I think that goes a ways to explain why, why maybe ring of honors fans tend to be a bit older than others. Um, but anyway. Uh, I wanted to pull up the the trending schedules, which maybe we can uh, we can show here. Maybe we can segue right into a, a WEQ two conversation too. Maybe that would make sense. Uh, okay. Make that go away. Do you want to uh, uh, skip the, for now the New Year's Day pay per view? You have hang on. Uh, maybe some of these are just quick hits that we don't need to dwell on. But uh, I don't know if anybody can see this. But if we look at uh, core content rights fees, which is WWE's way of saying Raw and SmackDown, and yeah, maybe NXT too. Uh, core content rights fees for 2020, 538 million dollars. Again, YouTube 14. Yeah. TV, linear TV that only old people watch and is irrelevant, 538 million. Again, YouTube is the future, 14 million. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. So, um, yeah, I mean, we, we, if you want, yeah, we can segue to the uh, the preview of the quarter two, which is this Thursday is the uh, yeah. is the earnings call. Yeah, I, I think we've talked a bit about what to expect here in terms of uh, what's going to be interesting or what, what possibly will be news stories. Uh, you never know what Nick Khan is going to say. Uh, I, I really think they should rebrand uh, these earnings calls as uh, the Nick Khan podcast. I mean, if if you're taking your brand seriously and uh, you you want to uh, produce the best product possible for your business partners, I mean, I think it's only natural that you start branding these the uh, the Nick Khan podcast, maximizing um, your profit with Nick Khan. Yes, the future of media. And I'm looking forward to being lectured by Nick Khan about how media is going to work in, in the years to come. Uh, I have an estimate here that uh, we may be able to see <clears throat> if my computer is fast enough and will cooperate. Uh, I, have, I have formulated an estimate. Uh, this will probably not be great to see because just because of the dimensions. But here's what I'm expecting uh, for revenue. For a revenue is usually relatively easy, easy to uh, uh, predict. 
because there's so much public information that allows us to deduce what the, what the revenue is going to be. So my, my prediction for revenue is 200 and let's round up 64, $264 million, uh, which would be almost exactly equal to what they did in Q1, apparently. Um, so for net income, I have 200 or $29 million, which would be an EPS, which is what all the analysts will have a consensus estimate about 35 cents. EPS, that's earnings per share ratio, which means you take all of the diluted shares and you divide it by the net income for the quarter and you get 35 for whatever reason. That's, that's how, how people talk about stocks. Uh, not an expert in stocks, but that's, that's my, my expectation. So 35 cents earnings per share. Uh, I'm not sure what, what, uh, the consensus is at the moment. I haven't looked at it lately, but, uh, yeah, 264 million for revenue. Uh, 29.3 for net income. I think I even have operating income of $48 million. Again, revenues are fairly easy or easier to predict what is the profitability metrics because you have to try to figure out what the cost is of everything. Uh, so there's that. Uh, we will get some news about uh, WrestleMania, but uh, I've already reported it, and hopefully what they report matches what I reported. <laughs> it's consistent. Uh, but I, I got the... Uh, the numbers from the Tampa Tampa Sports Authority that that showed the gate receipts, um, and that information is on WrestleOnX.com. It must have been something close to what I put in my estimate here of uh, six point four million dollars. I believe that is that is exactly what I've reported. Uh, if you round to the nearest one hundred one hundred thousand place, so six point four million dollars for a gate. We should get an impression of what the paid attendance was to probably to the nearest hundred. Uh, because at least in the past, they have uh, put in their KPIs and, and in their quarterly report, uh, the, the ticket sales, the average ticket, ticket, uh, the average paid attendance. Um, so yeah, I would expect that to be there. And there's no other live event to put in there to muddy the waters here. We've got only one live event in Q2. Again, this is the period from April 1st to June 30th. There were, I, I should say, two. There were only two live events in that period. And that was WrestleMania day one and WrestleMania day two. I think we'll also get, well, I should say this too. I think we'll also get an idea of what Peacock, what, what the, what the difference is in what WWE gets from Peacock in the, in the network line. Um, Q1 was really big because apparently WWE got a lot of upfront payments from NBC universal for that first transition period, uh, which was, this happened in the middle of March, right? And it was only a few yeah. weeks of, of, of Q1, but nonetheless, uh, WWE reported over $79 million in that quarter. I think it's going to be lower this time. This will give us an idea of what to expect going forward. Um, I put in my estimate $63 million in that line for the, for the quarter Q2. Um, we will, we will get some idea of, of what, uh, no, we probably won't. I was going to say, we'll get some idea of what media expenses are for their production of TV, but this is all Q2. Uh, but uh, they'll, they may give us some some forecast or some uh, non-quantitative guidance. And we will be doing... Uh, are you committed to this, Gull? You, you're going to do a Thursday night uh, po- yes. emergency podcast. Only for I'm hoping to get home around 8.30 from, from work. Only so. for patients. So you want to do 9 p.m. then? Yeah, that's perfect. Okay. So we'll do that for for patrons, the emergency audio. All right. 
All right. So, uh, dude, got a couple just quick WWE stories here. First off, that they did announce a New Year's Day pay-per-view, which is on a Saturday in Atlanta, Georgia. And it's interesting news following up with the, uh, the canceled SmackDown that was supposed to be in Atlanta. And, uh, you know, this is interesting. A Saturday pay-per-view for WWE. Other than that, obviously, we had that at WrestleMania, but not a normal thing they do. They were doing it for takeovers for a while, but now it looks like takeovers have migrated to Sundays. So very interesting to me. Uh, and is Saturday almost the future of wrestling pay-per-views? Not, not all the time, but we're seeing it more often now. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's coincidental, isn't it? That, uh, in the Nikon era, we have this Las Vegas SummerSlam on a Saturday. And, uh, well, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Quoted in this press release, which you can now see here, uh, we have Scott Zangalini, who is a, I believe, a former CAA uh, employee who, who is, uh, in all likelihood, a Nick Khan hire who is quoted in this. So, in all likelihood, he had a lot to do with putting this deal together. Another, uh, conspicuous detail to add here who was just added to the W Board Directors? Steve Coonan. Steve Coonan. Who's Steve Coonan? Well, Steve Coonan is, uh, he is part of what is it? The Atlanta Hawks. He is the CEO of the Atlanta Hawks and of yes. and of their arena, which is called State Farm Arena. Yep. Former executive TBS. Yes. And where is this pay per view? Atlanta, Georgia. In what arena? <laughs> In the State Farm Arena. Oh, this this the arena that he's the CEO of. Interesting. That's an interesting. Who? I don't know. Yeah, who knows. Do you think they want the tagline? And maybe this is a Nick Khan thing. The first wrestling show in 2022. I mean, that's a that's a nice marketing message, I guess. If you if you dress it up right, but I don't think that's a huge deal. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I know an independent wrestling company that's running that day as well. That excitement that they were going to be the first. What else? All right, so we, we can uh, move on to. to well, I found a very interesting story this week that uh, WWE SummerSlam yes. will be shown in movie theaters. Yes, can you think of it? Uh, so this is like closed circuit TV, right? Yeah, I mean it's like I've I've this has happened over the last twenty years in sporadic spots. I know that mm-hmm. I, TNA tried it once. Uh, with that, but uh, this is not something that's a normal practice. Is, is there any other wrestling company that like is currently TV. doing pay per view broadcasts in movie theaters? Uh, AEW has been doing it. Yeah, I don't remember. AEW has been doing that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they did. Have, yeah, that's right. They were doing it. So is this is oh, if they can do it, we can do it. Great ideas are often copied. Anyway. <laughs> um, uh, moving on to a uh, another story here. Uh, well, an update as far as the uh, oh, yes. WWE Hulu uh, contract is ending. Just what, just in the timeline, the I have a more brand? concrete idea of what the timeline is. The middle, sometime in the middle of 2022. Um, I don't know any anything more about. Uh, who's interested in the rights? Uh, just to, just to sort of re- repeat what what I speculated on last week uh, that Hulu obviously still holds the right or holds the rights on the current term. 
Uh, maybe they would be interested in retaining them. It would make a lot of sense, though, for Peacock to to get those rights so that they could be your home for Raw and SmackDown the next day. Uh, or maybe maybe uh, the Raw rights go to yeah go to Peacock, and maybe the SmackDown rights go to something that Fox owns, like Tubi. Which now I'm recalling our exciting discussion of Tubi last week. Uh, yeah, or uh, maybe there's big interest from from tech companies like Amazon, but uh, that remains to be seen. I'm 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 cautiously uh, skeptical about that. I wanted to uh, just throw this in here. Uh, you did not have it on the uh, agenda, but um, I know you did uh, share something about it. But the uh, yes, there would be TikTok partnership uh, with the ring announcer. Yes. Audition contest that th- that they are doing. Uh, I have not 100 percent decided if I'm going to submit it because no, <laughs> they might go. Oh no, you're you're, you're spoiled. You're <laughs> you're you're they they know you're part of uh, WrestleNomics and WrestleNomics is as as you speculated. WrestleNomics <laughs> yeah. is probably on some list. You know, they uh, <laughs> they'll, they'll probably put your resume but. right in the shredder. Uh, <laughs> Well, that's the thing, like the the contest details, because I looked into it, and it's it it's not very detailed. <laughs> like on the press release, they go, "Hey, check out this video from Big E for more details," and he just is like, "Hey, you want to be the next ring announcer? Yes, make a TikTok." And that's uh, it. I like, will add, there's no, like you have to kind of play around and see what you do, but like I have no idea what the uh, deadline is or anything yeah. like that. I, w- I would add uh, uh, for TikTok. I did look at, uh, I, I scraped Social Blade for some TikTok information this week, and I found, uh, you know, WWE has, uh, I should really find the numbers here. Uh, I think I can find them. But anyway, WWE has a lot more TikTok followers than AEW, and here we go. Here we go. I'll put it on the screen, uh, and I think you should be able to see that there. Uh if we make this Atlanta thing go away. There we go. So maybe you can see this partially. This is not great. Here we go. I make this. Come on. There we go. That's better. So basically W has basically the same number of TikTok followers as it has Twitter followers. About eleven and a half million each. AEW though has a fraction of the TikTok followers as they do Twitter followers. Um, so despite TikTok being this newer social media platform, uh, AEW is, is further behind on TikTok relative to where they're at on Twitter. Um, and this probably just comes down to the frequency with which AEW has put content on TikTok, uh, at least over the last few months here, we, we know that in January, AEW posted two videos. Following month three, following month five, April zero, May zero. In June, though, nine. Uh, meanwhile, over those same months, the WWE uh, TikTok account posted in January 101, again, to, to AEW's two. Uh, 94 to AEW's three in February. 86 to uh, AEW's five in, in March. 106 to AEW zero in April, 90 to AEW's zero in May, uh, and then in June, 68. So, so, so WWE really, really leveling off in June with 68 to AEW's nine. But in this month, uh, as of 
July 21st is when I pulled this data. Uh, AEW is outpacing WWE in TikTok posts now with 54 to 51. So, so some, somebody at AEW has woken up and, uh, been told to post to TikTok more apparently coinciding, I'm sure completely coincidentally and unrelatedly with, uh, when, when I tweeted about this, this sort of, uh, discrepancy. All right. Uh, we'll move on to tra- uh, travel restriction updates, uh, yes. starting with Canada. Uh, Here's the Canada thing. The government of Canada intends to, on August 9th, ease Canada's border measures for fully vaccinated American citizens and permanent residents. And then on September 7th, they will ease Canada's border measures for all fully vaccinated, so not just American citizens, but for all travelers. So it sounds like this would apply to us as American citizens and being fully vaccinated people. We'll be able to go to Canada for non-essential travel on august 9th and afterward uh yeah i mean uh as far as obviously you and i just on a personal level we both have uh you know done bookings in canada and that's a great thing um you know as canada returns to normal obviously live events over there are starting to open up you know on the independent wrestling level as well as sporting events uh currently the blue jays have left buffalo we miss them already but when they uh return uh, to the uh, Rogers Center, which is this week, mm. they're allowed fifteen thousand out of a fifty thousand seat capacity. So you're looking at thirty three percent right now in Ontario as far as capacity restrictions. So I mean, obviously, I'm sure WWE is clamoring to go up there as well as Canada does, but okay. probably won't see that for a little bit here. Just to kind of tie in today with COVID tests and everything, um, the NFL put out a policy this week that. If they have to forfeit, are we going to talk about uh, Wolf Games? That wide receiver for the the Bills is that we're, what we're bringing up here? I I, I don't want to go into that What's detail. I just want to uh, Cole, Beasley. Uh, Cole Beasley. But no, I just want to. So you have a company that's taking a a very public sports entity taking a st- strong stance on they want their players to be vaccinated, doing it in a backwards way, but they're doing it. We haven't really heard that with wrestling. With any of the companies, like where they they want to make sure that all their talent are vaccinated. Yeah. Um, what's what's the NFL's reason for wanting everyone vaccinated? How do they justify it? Well, it, so the the way that they were justifying it was they they do not want to reschedule games uh, because of COVID outbreaks. So if the COVID outbreak is caused by an unvaccinated player. That that game is forfeited, <laughs> and both teams both teams well both teams do not wow. get paid. Um, and and what Cole, Cole, we were off of wrestling here, but and Cole Beasley is basically saying, "Ah, cut me! I don't care. I'm not getting vaccinated." He's very he's very uh, strong against getting vaccinated, and a, a Bills player that was previously against the vaccine said, "Hey, man." I don't want to. I don't want to lose games because of this. Like yeah. I'm gonna get it. And Cole Beasley's like, nope, not for me. Like, um, I don't see WB doing this. I don't. I don't know unless some there's pressure from from outside. Uh, I mean, I could I could see them. I don't know. It, 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 it does Saudi Arabia require you to have a vaccine to get into the country? All right. Well, if you, if you want to do the Saudi Arabia show and get paid for it. 
get vaccinated, but if not, uh, I, I get that might give talents reason not to get vaccinated. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't see a Vince McMahon run company, uh, forcing, uh, putting, putting pressure on people to get vaccinated, I guess. Uh, I don't see that happening. That's just, that's just the way that the, the political wind blows there. Yeah. Yeah. But all right. Uh, and, and with that, uh, any, uh, final wrestling uh, business news before we, uh, wrap it up here? I don't think so. Uh, there's probably something I'm, I'm forgetting to mention, but yeah, I think that's it. All right. Well, uh, I'll, I'll start my social media plugs. Chris Gello on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, you can check out my other podcast, Rediscovering the Indies. Uh, it's a once a month podcast, uh, where we break down an independent wrestling history topic. This past topic was John Collins and main event championship wrestling. Uh, he wanted to be the next number two promotion after the end of ECW and WCW. And well, well, he lasted one show and the, uh, FBI were after him and <laughs> the security exchange commission has a long file about him that you can access. Uh, was it a publicly traded company? No, no, it was just the, the money he got was from a guy that was running like a birdie Madoff type scheme. Mm-hmm. So there's a SEC actual like file on it. Uh, like okay. a story that was on the research today, but yeah, so it, it, and it's interesting. And, uh, there's a lot of cool, like little stories. Sandman was the booker, uh, in, in his interview, John Collins called Buff Bagwell one of the most professional people he ever worked with, <laughs> which most promoters wouldn't agree with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it's just, it, it, it's interesting. And, and, and as I said last week, the big thing was, when guys wanted to get their money and knew he was going to be at this independent show in Evansville, he had his wife call in last minute and said he had a heart attack, which never happened. Mm-hmm. A riveting story that only yeah. professional wrestling could provide. So RTI pod on Twitter, rediscovering these Instagram and Facebook, check it out. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's a really, it's a really good one. This one. Okay. I, uh, I don't know that I have that much to plug. I mean, I, I did a talk with Mookie on the WrestleNomics YouTube channel that everybody can check out. Uh, I, uh, I did a talk on YouTube by myself on Thursday. I think maybe I should do those on certain Thursdays when there's one of my favorite sports, hopefully, as I, as I mentioned earlier, hopefully a future Olympic sport, uh, TV ratings, reactions. Um, I did that. That's on YouTube. Um, I don't know. You can go to wrestlehouse.com to read stuff. There's resources. The uh, the TV uh, that were the pay per view buys links are always getting traffic. You can follow me, uh, or you can follow Wrestlehouse on Twitter at Wrestlehouse. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon Thurston. And we're both going to be uh, in live in person working a wrestling oh, yeah. show together. I'm going to wrestle yeah. on Saturday. Yeah. Me and Chris Gullo are going to see each other in person. On Saturday, he wants to yeah, record yeah. The, the the show actually before that. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we should record it after, so we can have a, a reaction. I don't know, but but maybe I don't know. But then we would have to do it Monday. I don't know. We'll talk about it. We'll, but anyway, we'll figure it out. Okay. I'm Brandon Thurston. I'm Chris Gallo. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. <laughs>